We were talking about it before church. How many people, if you ask them, why are you a Christian? What the answers would be. I accepted Jesus. I asked him into my heart. I made a decision for Christ. I prayed a prayer. You know why I'm a Christian? Jesus paid it all. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed me white as snow. He found me. He raised me to life. I'm a Christian because of God. To Him goes all the glory. How many times have you heard that song in your life? Man, it's so amazing to see these songs that you've just heard all your life and what they truly mean when you bring them into the truth of God's Word. And that song is no different. Jesus paid it all. We're talking about prayer tonight. As we had mentioned earlier, that his disciple asked Jesus to teach him how to pray. And if you ask that question to the majority of quote-unquote Christians today, I guarantee you there would be very few that would say, if you had one thing to ask God, teach me this, it would not be to pray. Would it? You remember Romans 12, 12? You remember that. We spent a whole Sunday on that. When Paul says this, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, constant in prayer. Then he goes into the end of 1 Thessalonians chapter, I believe it's 5, verse 17, and he says, pray without ceasing. That's something. Now, the thing that God commands you to never cease to do is the thing that we typically put at the very end of what we want to improve on or what we put emphasis on. Can anybody relate to that? How often do you pray? How effective? is your prayer. And what I mean by that is that prayer is not just the time where you come to God with a bunch of requests. He tells us to to present our requests to Him. He won't change His mind. But He says to bring your concerns and your requests to Him. But also His prayer is worship. It's a surrender to God. It is you conforming your will by the help of God to His will, a time of worship, a time of praise. And we have to reflect on our prayer time. How much of it is asking? And how much of it is in adoration and worship? And the more that you know who God is, and the more that you grow in sanctification, do you know what will happen? Your worship in prayer will increase. Sound familiar? The more you know who God is, the more you trust Him in every aspect, the more you acknowledge His sovereignty, the more you trust His every 
thing in life. Tonight we're going to talk about some things and some ways and some different strategies. I hate to even use that term on how we can get structured in our prayer life over the next several weeks. And we can use this and some of these examples to springboard us in life when we get stuck in prayer. Anybody want to learn how to pray better? I do. I'm going to talk about some things tonight. The first thing I want to ask you is this. Who do you pray to? He said, we pray to God. So let's just work through some things really quickly. When you pray, do you pray to the Father? Do you pray to Jesus? Or do you pray to the Holy Spirit? Well, they're all God. Is it okay to pray to everyone in the Trinity? Yes. I think that we can talk about the one in the Trinity that is overlooked the most. Do you know who I think of of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Do you know who I think gets overlooked the most in all of those three beings? or excuse me, one being, three divine persons, of those persons, the Father. When you pray, we typically have Jesus on our mind, and we should, don't we? You pray to Jesus, or you pray that the Holy Spirit would help you in something. What about the Father? When's the last time you set your affection to the Father in prayer? I mean, let's start with the Son. Why would we pray and be thankful to the Son? What did He do for us? Well, He came and He gave up His life. He willingly laid His life down for the sheep. That is, not, that is something to give adoration and praise for the rest of our life on earth and even into eternity because you can set your prayers toward heaven and look to the Son and say, thank you. You paid it all. You came, you willingly laid down your life for me, the sheep. Thank you. Thank you for your active obedience, right? Not only did he come to die on the cross, but he came to live. That active obedience, we've labored that point. The active obedience of Christ is the reason that we enter heaven. It's the righteousness that we get placed on us that Christ will judge by, that righteousness, to give us entrance into heaven. We thank Him for His act of obedience. We thank Him for His intercession for the Father, to the Father on our behalf. Romans 8 says that who will bring a charge against God's elect? No one, because it is Christ who justifies. God who justifies. It is Christ who is interceding. We can set our prayers to Christ and give Him thanks for all those things. We should. Have you been focused and very specific at times in which part of the Trinity you pray to? It's okay. Where you set your affection on Christ and you thank Him for who He is, for what He's done and His role in the Trinity. What about the Spirit? Can we pray to the Spirit? You know, it's God the Holy Spirit. It's not an it. It's not a thing. It's He. It is God, the Holy Spirit, that we can set our prayers to the Spirit and we can say, what? Thank you that you help us in our prayers. 
What does the Bible say? That He intercedes for us in our prayers when we don't know how to pray. That the Spirit intercedes for us in our prayer. When is the last time in your prayer you gave thanks to the Holy Spirit for interceding for you in that very prayer? See how much deeper prayer is than, Lord, help me with this. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you lead me and you guide me. And it is your driving force that improves and grows my sanctification. It is you who convicts me of sin. Thank you, Spirit, for convicting me of this sin. Thank you for your work in my life. Holy Spirit, continue to teach me the truths of the Word. When's the last time you just set your prayer and your attention on either the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit? But what about the Father? You know, there's a biblical model that Jesus himself teaches us to pray, how to pray. And do you know who he says? The biblical model to pray to that he says? In Matthew 6, what does he say? When you pray, pray like this. You know it, don't you? Our Father, who's in heaven. When's the last time you just spent your prayer in adoration? I use that word a lot tonight. I never use it. It's just coming out of my soul to the Father. When we get into 1 Peter on Sunday, do you know what? You're going to realize one thing really quickly. Do you know why that your name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world? The Father. Who gives the elect to the Son? It's the Father. Who's the one who chooses you before the foundation of the world? It's the Father. When's the last time in your prayer you said, our Father, thank you for your sovereign election. Thank you for choosing me when there's nothing in me of my own merit that would allow you or see anything in me to choose. It is by his purpose and pleasure. Jesus tells us when we pray, pray like this, our Father. So can we pray to the Spirit? Yes. Can we pray to the Son? Yes. But let us never leave out how Christ teaches us to pray. Our Father, what an honor. We cover this in Romans chapter 8. That you and I could be the adopted sons of God that He would allow us the honor and the privilege to come to Him in prayer, and not just in prayer, but to honor Him and to call Him Father. I've said it before, is there anything I deserve less than to call the Creator of this universe, the perfect, holy God, Father? Not by natural means, but by supernatural means of a rebirth Here's the Trinitarian work. Do you realize prayer is Trinitarian? Think about this. Here's what the Bible tells us. We pray, our Father in heaven. And who intercedes in that prayer? The Spirit. In John chapter 16, verse 23 and 24, what does he say? Ask these things in my name. Talking about Christ. 
When you pray to the Father, the Spirit is, is allowing you that prayer and He's interceding for you. But when you come to the Father, how do you come to the Father? What makes you have the ability to come to the Father? The mediator between God and man. Jesus. That's why you pray in Jesus' name. Because it is Him in His intercessory work and His mediation between us and the Father that allows us to come to Him in prayer at all. Do you see how much deeper prayer is? In those few moments, just right there? If you get stuck in prayer and you have no idea, I pray the same things. I pray for the same people. I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm in a rut. I don't know how to grow. And you set your affection on the Father. And you thank Him for who He is and what He's done and that you can call Him Father. And then you pray to Jesus, thank Him for His sacrificial work, His intercession for you. And then you thank the Spirit for its work, His work in your life. It's Trinitarian. We also see that Jesus tells us and shows us the example on how to pray in the garden. When we, at our most basic point of a prayer, the, the most worship-filled moment of a prayer, the most, the most hard, difficult thing that any human being can do is to pray what Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane. What did he say? Not my will, but yours be done. At the heart of prayer, it's a conformity to God's will. And the more that you and I grow in sanctification, do you know what will happen? That your prayers from your heart as guided by the Spirit will be more in conformity with God's will because you know what is pleasing to Him. You know what is honoring to Him. You know what He wants out of our lives. And then you set your prayers to the heavens. You present your request, and you, you don't know if they're in the line of God. You don't know if that person's supposed to be healed according to God's will, but in your flesh you want them to, so you pray for that. But at the end of everything, what do you say? I don't know your perfect plan. And even though it may be the hardest thing to come out of my mouth, not my will, but yours be done. Worship. Do you see the worship in that prayer alone? When you are surrendering that prayer over yourself to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, because you know that He's working all things out for the called, to those who love Him, to, his, to the good. It's a time of worship. Do you think of it that way? I don't think we do a lot. You just heard that song, we worship God for what He's done. But when it's late at night, and you got to get your daily prayer in, it doesn't feel like worship, does it? Oh, i got to do it again. I pray before I fall asleep. 
What if we realized that in those moments it was worship? That God allows us to worship Him when we come to Him in prayer. What an honor that is. So, one of the first things that we can do, I challenge you to do this. It may take you a day, it may take you a week, it may take you a month. Start with the Father tomorrow. Before you say anything in prayer, you set your mind, you set your heart, you set your prayer towards the Father. And don't just utter those words. Father, feel the weight of that. Not everybody can do that. It's a special gift He's reserved for His elect. That when you wake up tomorrow, you say, I'm a father. I'm a father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your name is holy. You know, that's what they will be singing around the throne of God that we see in Revelation. Holy, holy, holy. Father, thank you for electing me. Thank you for writing my name from the foundation of the world. Thank you for giving me to the Son. Thank you that your will always is accomplished. Take one of those things, take them all. Begin to pray to the Father. And then when you have nothing else to pray to the Father to, then you look to the Son. You say, Jesus, I want to thank you. Because sin has left a crimson stain. Oh, but you, you paid it all. The Bible's so much better than what we've made it. Guess what? So is prayer. But the modern Christian, what do we do? We hold off on it. We put it to the back burner. We say, I'll pray later when I have more time in the day. And then the day goes on and we give God the leftovers. And then what do we do when it comes time to honor this God? It's like our Christmas wish list. We pull it out. As long as we get those requests in, we're good. God help us. You know what our prayer should be? Lord, teach me to pray. Teach me to pray. You've told me to pray without ceasing. You've told me to be constant in prayer. Teach me. I believe that's a prayer that God honors. We must be routine in our prayer. We must be consistent in our prayer. Zeke was talking about consistency. Yes. Let's apply that to our prayer life too. Where we grow every day. Martin Luther had a friend. His name was Peter. Some weird last name. And the relationship these two individuals had was that Peter was the barber of Martin Luther. And one day when Martin Luther went to get a haircut, this barber had a question for this fugitive, if you will. 
know what his prayer was? Or do you know what what he asked Martin Luther? How do I pray? How do I pray? We should all want to always improve our prayer. And Martin Luther went home. He said, give me some time to think about it. And he wrote a response. And that is in publication today. That book is called A Simple Way to Pray. And he goes through a few different ideas and strategies to where if you don't know what to pray, how to pray. I want to go over those with you tonight. If that's okay. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. We've mentioned this a lot in different sermons. We've mentioned it in passing tonight. But I want you to take three different passages or sections of Scripture, and I want you to take these home with you. And I'll show you a way to start working and increase your prayer life, which will conform your soul to the Word of God. It will conform you to worship that God wants and it finds acceptable. The first one we look at is something we can probably all recite. The Lord's Prayer. Watch this. Jesus is giving this as an example on how to pray. And if you just take every line of the Lord's Prayer, take a verse at a day, a, a day, take a line a day, take two a day, watch how these turn into prayers and watch how they turn into worship. Here's the example that Christ gives. Let's take the very first of it and watch how we can make this applicable to our prayer life. Verse 9 of chapter 6, he says, Pray then in this way, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. That'll let you, you, you could pray on that for a whole day. What is he saying here? He's saying, Our Father. Let's stop there. Watch how this can go. Watch how the Spirit can use this prayer and this example to fill our prayer life. Watch this. Our Father. And then you come to prayer and you say, Lord, thank you. Thank you I can call you Father. I don't deserve that. It's nothing I've earned. It's nothing I could ever merit. But you have allowed me this privilege by your divine grace. God, I want to thank you for your grace. I want to thank you for your election. I want to thank you on your adoption of me. You didn't have to, God, but you did. And you say that those whom are your children. They are filled with the Spirit, and they are led by the Spirit. And if the Spirit is in me, God, then you know what your Word tells me, that I am sealed. 
God, thank you that I'm adopted. Thank you that you've set your spirit in me. Now thank you that I'm eternally secure in you. Do you see how that prayer begins to flow out of your soul? God, thank you. Because you tell me in 1 John, oh, what great love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called the children of God. God, thank you. Father, thank you for your love. Your love is the only reason that I love you. Without your salvific love, I have no salvation. I have no hope. I can't love you. I can't love others. I can't do anything. God, thank you for what it means to call you Father. Do you see how you can take one line in that prayer and begin to pray that to the Father? Look what he goes on to say. Hallowed be your name. What does that mean? Father, let your name be holy. God, I want to thank you today for your holiness. Those around the throne in Revelation, what does it say? They are declaring, holy, holy, holy. What does Isaiah see in chapter 6? around the throne, holy, holy, holy. God, you are holy. There's none like you. You are other than any other thing or one or being because you are God. Your holiness is what makes you God. Your holiness is what makes you you. Your holiness is why you are sovereign and immutable and omniscient and omnipresent and you have full aseity. God, it is because you're holy that you're all these things. It's because you're holy, you can make me holy. God, let me honor your name as holy today. Do you see the idea? You take the Lord's Prayer, and however long it takes you, you start, and you just go. The next day, your kingdom come, your will be done. God, I don't know what this life holds. I don't know what all the answers are. But I know one thing. Plan A is running flawlessly, full steam ahead, because it is by your ordained will that it is passing by right now. Your will be done. Maybe you come to that verse, and you've had the worst day that you've had in months but you are now in this portion of this Lord's Prayer and you come to this and you say, Lord, your will be done. Let me pray today that in everything in life, I know it will be, but let me surrender my soul to that thought, your will be done. You look at, you look at the chaos in your life and all you know is that this verse says your will be done. Lord, conform my prayer to your word will be done, even if it goes against what my flesh wants. You spend a whole day, two days, a week, thanking God for His sovereign will and praying that every day of your life, you can pray that prayer. And if you can't pray that prayer, then you pray, God, help me to pray that prayer and change my soul until I can. And even in the hard, continue to lead me into that prayer. Do you see how you can take these and pray? 
This is one of the ways Martin Luther said, you take the Lord's Prayer. It's the example on how to pray. Look, look at the order of what's going on really quickly. Our Father. It's the, it's the declaration to the Father. Then what? We worship you. Then what? Your will be done. Your request hasn't came up yet. <laughs> and you can continue to read. He prays for daily provision. God, give me this day our daily bread. Give me what I need for this day. God, you said I'm not promised tomorrow. You said my life is a vapor. God, help me to stay in the here and the now. And give me what I need for this day. You give me the boldness to speak to who I need to speak to this day. Don't let me worry about tomorrow. Give me what I need for this day. Because I know one thing, God. You're my provision. Then you thank Him for being your provider. Not only in salvation, but in everything in life. Isn't it more than just reciting a few verses? That Jesus gives us examples on how to pray. Continue to work through the Lord's Prayer. And watch God change your life. And you know what's happening when you're doing this? You're conforming your prayers to the, the source of truth, the Word of the living God. You see how your soul just begins to overflow. It's amazing, isn't it? Lord, teach me how to pray. Let it be a time of worship. The Lord's Prayer. Start on... We're going to list three of them. Start on one of these three. The next one. This is going to maybe confuse some people. Ten Commandments. When's the last time you just ever sat down and read the Ten Commandments? <laughs> right, we don't. They're the heart of God. They're His divine character revealed to humanity. They are what is important to God. They are the perfection He requires. You want to see the nature of God? Read His commandments. You want to see what God is all about? Read them. Do you want to see how far we have fallen short of His law? Read the Ten Commandments. Do you want to see what pleases God? Read the Ten Commandments. However, how do we pray through the Ten Commandments? Have you ever sat down and said, God, I'm going to pray. I'm going to just work through the Ten Commandments and take one a day. Well, let's turn to Exodus 20 and see how this works. We won't go through all 10. Starting in the first one. What is it? It says, I am the Lord your God. The Lord, then God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. 
You ever put anything before God in your life? <laughs> yeah. Did you do it today? Yeah. Watch how effective this is. God, this is your nature revealed. And you tell me to have no other gods. God, forgive me. All the things in life I've put before you. There are no other gods. There's only one in the truest sense. But we make them up, don't we? We create our own gods. We create our own idols. But do you know who deserves worship? The only true and living God. God, I'm sorry. I pray today that I'll put nothing in front of you. I worship you as God. What does God mean? What does that mean? That means you need nothing from no one. God, you don't need anything from me to survive, to sustain. You have full aseity. God, there's nothing that I can bring you that you would repay me. You're God. This is your world. You're God. You're God. I'm not. How about that for a start? If we could just get that, that he's God and we're not. What a prayer that is. You'll have no other gods before me. God, help me today to know that you are God and I'm not. There's nothing in this world that deserves any worship of any human except for you. God, guide my worship today to be on you and you alone. Let me not put anything in front of you. Let me not put for a second anything in front of you. And when I do, please convict me. Please show me. God, please change me. Let my worship be to you and you only. You see how this works? He goes on, you shall not make yourself an idol. Any likeness which is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth, you shall not worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of your fathers on the children, on the third and fourth generation of those who hate me showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Lord, this goes back to our Father in heaven. Lord, let me take your name and let me bring it to the level of honor and reverence it deserves. Can you imagine that if you spent one whole day, one whole week, where when you wake up, the only prayer on your heart is this, God, let me honor your name. Let me never dishonor your name by my actions in life. Never let me claim to be a child of yours and then bring shame to your name. God, let me bring honor to your name. That's what he says. In, and he says, ascribe to the Lord the glory. Do his name. We've mentioned it before a thousand times. If you could list the top ten commands if you started a country, would one of them be that the Lord's name would be not taken in vain? No, it wouldn't. But it's so serious to God. 
His name is so serious, and His name is worth, worth all the praise in our soul. God, let me honor Your name. Let me reverence Your name. You can go all through this list. God, don't let me murder. What? I've never killed anybody. What are you talking about? He says, don't murder. Thank you, God, that the life that you give, there's sanctity in life. Pray for the people that are on the decision of abortions. God, it means something to you. The sanctity of life is so important to you. Let it be important to me. Let me have this whole week where my heart cries out for people that are considering abortion. Let it move me because it moves you. What's the New Testament say? If you hate your brother, you've committed murder in your heart. God, let me today never have a, 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 a vile thought. You see how these, these change your prayer. God, teach me to not think bad things, to change my heart. Let me say kind things. Let me love like you've called us to love. And you go down through the list. If you work through the Ten Commandments, you see the holiness of God. You see what's important to Him. And you pray that God would change your life as you work through these commandments. You see, these can keep you in prayer for a long time. Prayer is more than what we've made it, isn't it? Why do you think the disciples come and said, Lord, teach us to pray? I believe that should be our prayer tonight as well. The last thing is this. the book of Psalms. I'm changing this up a little bit from Luther. He had mentioned the Apostles' Creed. I'm going a different way. You know, our prayer is also a time of worship. We've tried to establish that tonight. Do you know the book of Psalms is a collection of of poetry and songs that are meant to be sung to the Lord in praise? You talking about the church's early hymn books? It was the book of Psalms. These were sung to the Lord in prayer and in praise. You're like, well, how do we do this? Well, let's just start in Psalm chapter 1, shall we? You come to Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, and it says this, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. There's a prayer right there. God, help me to understand the importance of sanctification. Lord, you've called me as a Christian to not be in places that the world is in. 
You've called me not to walk in the counsel of the wicked. God, guide my feet. Guide the desires of my heart. Well, I don't go to those places. I don't seek the counsel of the worldly. God, let me seek counsel in your word. We've mentioned it before. When we have problems in life, where's the first place you go? Friends, they're good. It's good to have friends. It's good to have godly friends. It's really hard for ungodly uh, non-believers to give you good biblical sound advice, isn't it? Where's your first place of counsel? See, when you come to this, you say, God, help me. This is prayer. This is a prayer. They're conforming us to the will of God. God, help me run to you for counsel at the first of anything. Do not let me get on Google and look for the answer. Do not let me call my friend for the answer. God, you said, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor sit in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is where? In the law of the Lord. Is your delight in the Bible? In the law of God? Help me, Lord, to love your word. I think this church is, I can see that in you. The word has become alive in your souls. Pray that it never leaves. That desire never leaves. God, help me to stay focused on you. Let you be the first place I go. Let me take counsel in you. God, help me to delight in your word. Spend days, weeks, hours on that prayer. Look what he goes on to say. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Is the word of God in your mind all day long? You know that whole renewing your mind thing? <laughs> As Paul would mention, Romans 12. The world never stops, does it? Does the world ever let up on you? It's relentless, isn't it? Where's your mind at all day long? Yes, we go to work. Yes, we have things. But can the word of God be in your mind? Can you quote scripture as the day goes on? Can you listen to the Bible app that reads scripture to you as you go? God, help me to delight in your word. God, give me a desire to meditate on your word day and night. You see, your prayers are now being conformed to the will of God. What he wants you to do? You take these psalms and you work through them. And in them there are praise. Oh, look, those who do it, you'll be firm, planted by the water. You see how good? Now there's praise. God, thank you for your stability. Thank you for your promise. You can pray through the psalms. And you know what? If you pray earnestly through the psalms, that'll take you a long time. God, teach me to pray. I just thought of a few more here. Look at Psalm 2. This is a messianic psalm. You ever wondered? Well, I think, listen, as a church, I know that you all know that the sovereignty of God is at the forefront of everything. He's decreed it all. He's ordained all that comes to pass. And no one, nothing will thwart his desires. Plan A, running flawlessly. Full speed ahead. Everly falls correctly at the right time, the right speed, at the right place, the right location. But sometimes you may need a little reminder 
And you may look at the world. You may look at the nations. You may look at the chaos in the world. And oh, now you're just happy to pray through Psalm 2. Why are the nations in an uproar? Why are the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand. The rulers take counsel together. And the Lord and against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords. Oh God, is there any hope? Oh God, are you still on your throne? Oh, I'm praying through Psalm 2. Here's what it says. He who sits in the heavens laughs. God, let me just stop today and know that you're on your throne and you're laughing at every ungodly person at every futile attempt to knock you off your throne. Isn't there peace in that? That's a prayer for a day. And you can go through the whole psalm. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. God, let me love your word more. And the list goes on and on. Oh, by the way, if you make it to Psalm 150, which is the last psalm in the Bible, and you go to the last verse, if this doesn't resound in your soul, if theology, if you know anything about theology, you know what it produces. High theology equals high praise, it equals high doxology. And if you just happen to make it to the last verse of Psalm, you can rest on this for a long time. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What if you spend a day, a week, Wait a minute, the unthinkable. Could you spend a whole month in the majority of your prayer just praising God? Can you imagine what your prayer life would look like if you ran as fast as you could to your knees and prayer was not a struggle, prayer was not a chore? Prayer was a privilege that you and I have been granted by the Father to look into the heavens and say, Our Father. I hope tonight our prayer as we leave would be this simple prayer. Lord, Teach us to pray. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, how moved we are at this moment. the undeserved privilege for we who are rebel sinners who are dead in sins and trespasses who are hostile to you 
can now have the privilege. cry, Abba, Father. God, we thank you. From the bottom of our souls, we thank you. Lord, let us grasp as much as a human being can the miraculous act that we as creatures can communicate with the Almighty on a personal, deep, and intimate level. Father, we want to thank you for your sovereign grace and your sovereign mercy. Every born-again believer who will ever enter heaven owes our lives and salvation to you. You're the reason. Not me. Not us. Father, thank you. Thank you that you wrote our names in the Lamb's Book of Life, which is permanent. And God, we thank you that to the Son you gave us As a reward to him. And son, Jesus, we thank you that you took the shame, the guilt, the sin of your sheep and you laid your life down for us. And then you rose from the dead to intercede for us. And God, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus, And it's in your name we pray because you're the mediator. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for our regeneration as you invaded our souls and regenerated us. We thank you. And Lord, We thank you, God the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you are sanctifying us and keeping us and sealing us and interceding for us even right now as we pray. God, we thank you. And Lord, I pray tonight, my prayer and the prayer of this church would be that you would teach us how to pray. And we only can ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.